This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this Friday, June 2nd, doing the weekly wrap-up podcast. This is Eric Relf joining you from Royal, Iowa. I've got Justin McKinney here with me in Rochester, Minnesota. How's it going, Justin? Good. How are you doing, Eric? Uh, pretty good. Another nice week, especially here to finish the week. I, I think the undertone was pretty good. Things look decent, at least. Significantly better than the last time I was on two weeks ago. I will say that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you've got just good influence. You know, today you, you could look at the, the stock market was sharply higher. We're making highs there. You've got uh, crude oil recovering from an early week, five and a half dollar loss. All that undertone looks pretty good. And then add into it that we're looking at some weather threat just just kind of spruces things up for everybody. And the greens were reflecting that today for sure. Yeah. You know, as I sit here with the three hats on as a farmer, former merchandiser and a broker, the hardest thing in all three of those is to sell when it's not raining on your operation, which we'll probably get into here in a little bit about our recos that went out earlier this week. But uh, it's just hard when you look out the window and you see that weather threat to uh, pull the trigger sometimes. Right. Yeah. You know that you're hurting. So you just assume that everybody might be hurting and the prices should be going higher. And And we've talked to clients together and separately all the time that, that's the case. And, and we try to try to walk them off the ledge a little bit to say, hey, you can't just look right there in front of you and think that that's what the whole country looks like. But talking to people from Kansas, Nebraska, uh, the Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, right here in northwest Iowa, where, you know, we're looking at twenty five thousand dollar an acre ground and things aren't looking real great. The corn stand looks good. Beans are struggling, but all in all, it's not what people would call a bang-up start to the year. No, and I think you saw that in the crop conditions report earlier this week, uh, a couple points behind last year's, but very likely could be the high of the year. Now, understand that has very little correlation to final yield, but it does give the market news. Right, it gives us something to trade, right? Right. And, and to go along with that, we've heard stories from – well, Joe in Bloomington, we've heard it from clients all over the place. Soil moisture all over the place is struggling. And, and I saw some some soil samples in Eric Snodgrass's latest video from Nutrient Ag where he had pulled some plugs on some soil samples. And that's a little surprising in that part of the country right now, especially, you know, basically the first of June. I also watched that this morning. And my follow-up was uh, I was looking at the computer at the moisture that we received on our farm. Now, we only farm about everything is within roughly a mile of the home farm. And from there, the south end of the farm last night had about a tenth of an inch of rain. And the north end where the trees are got an inch and an eighth. Right. Yeah, it's just stark difference. And and we're seeing the same thing here. Spotty showers, you know, I can go 25 miles away. They got four inches in an hour the other night. And here at the office, we had two hundredths. You know, it's it's just stark differences and, and very scattered. All these pop-up showers will help the areas that get the decent rainfall, but they're not going to put anything meaningful in the ground that's going to help the overall production, I don't I don't believe. No, and I would agree with that. And the other take-home point, I watched the same thing from Eric Snodgrass this morning, was don't expect this to change immediately in the 11 to 14 day. Now, it did look a little bit better. I'm not a meteorologist, but... It did look a little bit better after the 15-day, but 
how much damage are we going to do between now and then? And especially on those replant situations that I know you had clients um, all over that replant. I had a bunch that uh, clients that had replant beans as well or are sitting in dry dirt currently. Right, right, and and doing nothing. You know, Matthew Cruz has his beans in the ground for a week now, but they're not doing anything because there's no moisture, so they're just sitting there. And we're we're hearing a lot about that. And so, you know, I guess the takeaway from all of this is that the the moves are justifiable. There's various fundamental reasons for it. We're still seeing putrid export numbers, but we expect that right now, although the beans should be picking up. Now, the weekly exports this week were – uh, at least net positive, right? We didn't have the reductions that we saw last week across every major category. Uh, although I, I think the wheat still fell under pressure more from that Illinois wheat tour, pegging like a 90 plus uh, bushel per acre yield for the Illinois SRW wheat. And, and so that's going to be tough to recover from. And that's keeping that uh, Chicago KC spread out there. I just don't know if we have any cause to bring that thing together much. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, Eric. I think that SRW finds a home in the feed market at some point this year versus the export market. We're already importing wheat, Poland. There was some news out from Poland, Germany, places like that, hitting the southeast coast with that huge bumper crop there and high basis on the corn side of things in certain areas. Kind of makes you wonder if that isn't getting priced into the feed rations. Right. Right. And, and the relativity to corn needs to stay. And I, I wanted to kind of pick on your merchandiser hat a little bit. I'm hearing from producers, particularly in Minnesota, that their basis already is collapsing and not even rolling off of the July into September, but just the existing basis versus July is already breaking down. Is that just they're shaking grain loose at $7 cash or close to it? And so we're going to see some drawback there. Well, first off, your area probably is close to $7 cash. Southeast Minnesota, we're looking at that 640, 650. And I do have several clients that were looking at making catch-up sales. Uh, we had some, you know, old crop targets. We were looking in the six, $6 to 610 futures, uh, trying to catch that 640 to 650 cash price. They're grossly undersold in this area. So to me, that's just bushels shaking loose naturally. And the poor river market over here, it just, they're getting the bushels without having to work too hard at it, to be honest with you. Well, and that's kind of what I figured would have to be the cause. I, I, we haven't seen it here, but we have too many people competing for the, for the feed, uh, for the grain. The supply here goes three different directions and livestock feeders still need it and ethanol plants still need it. They're still making margins. And, and so it, it stayed pretty well propped up around here. And in fact, uh, we did make $7 cash sales, uh, not too far from, from Royal here today. And then of course the question is now, should I sell it all or wait for more? Of course, my inclination all along has been $7 cash is going to pay the bills. Let's go ahead and get it going. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking at that in your area at $7, great returns from last crop season. Seems like the concern is this year. Let's, let's move on from that. Let's look at this December contract. We're getting close to another sales target here. I'm sure you probably will elaborate a little bit more on that uh, based on the technical strategies of that trade recommendation. But I think, you know, without a major weather problem, and we still need to cut 10 bushels per acre off of the projected yield before, without hurting demand, before we're really talking down to the 170s where this market may need to pop up and rally some. So if you want to walk through those sales recommendations, yeah, so basically what, what David did, David Cruz did, 
this week was go through and look at potential targets for a fourth wave rally within a uh, a bear market, basically. And so you have fourth wave rallies that can sometimes be explosive. And we went through and, and kind of pinpointed some targets, and it's a fairly tight range. I was a little surprised that David did target three numbers within 12 cents of each other, but that's where he's starting. And we hit the first one twice this week at 536 Dece corn. We almost hit the second at 542 Dece today. We did hit 550 March, which was an initial target I had set a while back. So I got some sales done there at 550 basis, the March contract. Now, the second recommendation at that 542, uh, we'll leave that in place. If we get any kind of bump uh, on the open Sunday into Monday, then then that'll get hit. Now, the one thing that is going to change today is the third target had been set at 548 to make some sales. We're going to move that to 576 in case this fourth wave rally is a blow off. So we may push up into the 580 range. If that's the case, we'll hit our sales target at 576. So that's kind of the numbers we're looking for now based on that Elliott wave uh, figure and the fourth wave rally. And I think the other take home point on that was I don't think David plans on getting married to those sales. If we do see that fifth wave correction, maybe lifting, you know, depending on what the weather situation looks like in each person's crop out in their field, possibly taking a look at that if we do see that fifth wave lower. Right. And, and that's, and that's another point of contention that we, he and I have amongst ourselves is he, he's looking for a new low, possibly by, by as much as 40 cents and push down for, towards the 450 mark. I, I've made the argument that maybe we just go test or maybe make a new low by a little bit at the 490 area. But regardless, at some point those will be lifted. And that's one of the things that we are trying to drive home with our clients is that we're not married to this. This isn't an HTA where the, the grain has to be delivered. You're locked into it for the life of the contract or whatever. You know, we take whatever this setback is going to be on a fifth wave decline. We take our money. We look to reload and try to own some of those bushels back at that point. It seems like we get down to that 490 level, and that seems like a great spot for people to step in and defend possibly crop insurance indemnities as well. Well, yeah, I mean, with the 85% guarantee at 502, I just don't look for sustained trade under that level for very long. And so uh, here in the belt, that's the majority uh, of, of coverage levels. I know that's your coverage level and, and many of my clients. Now, that's completely inapplicable when you get out into the plains because it just doesn't make sense. They can't can't afford to pay the premiums on their dry land and their irrigated land doesn't have the variability to necessitate that coverage. So, you know, it's a little different everywhere. So people listening, they may have a different take on, on whatever those numbers are. But uh, but it definitely is relevant here in the belt. And, of course, the bulk of the, the grain is grown here. So we have to keep it in mind as we go through here. On the week here, you know, corn felt good at the end of the week. And and we got some nice closes today. But we actually only finished a, a nickel higher in the July corn for the week. But finishing positive after the way we started out seems like a win. Especially after Monday night, I was expecting a higher to maybe even sharply higher open. And it didn't seem like we got that on Monday. I was a little bit concerned um, coming in Tuesday morning, but it seems like we brushed that off and back to trading weather again. Yeah, and the EU model remains dry, and the EU has been more accurate than the GFS recently. Well, I think that's always the case. Most traders watch the EU model and go with that. So uh, just some some recap before we get to livestock. 
I did mention the July corn was up a nickel at 609 on the close here. July beans up 15 and a quarter for the week at 1352 and a half. We look for possibly an extension of about 40 more cents there into the 1392 area. And we'll probably be triggering some new crop bean coverage at that point. So we'll see how that plays out this week or this next week. Um, Casey wheat, although decent couple of days here did finish down seven for the week at eight, 12 and a quarter. And I mentioned the five and a half dollar pullback early week in the crude oil. We did recover the vast majority of that finished the week down 93 cents at 7174 barrels. So that's critical. Same time we've got Brent crude trading at about 74 bucks a barrel. And Saudi Arabia has openly stated they need 80 to, to make it work for them as far as a break even on the Brent crude. So I wonder how much pressure we're going to see from them pushing OPEC's hand at trying to reduce production. And will we see any extension to this rally based on that idea? Well, the weekly crude oil and EIA energy report wasn't super uh, bullish on crude oil, but yet we get a positive reaction to it which caught me a little bit surprised, but I guess that just goes to tell you how much that debt ceiling was priced into the economy already. Well, right, yeah, and that, you know, I think that's why we're seeing these sparks in the stock market, you know, the crude oil. These these macro markets just feel very supportive, and it it just, it changes the outlook for everything when you're going through those times when the undercurrent is good. So livestock, a bit of a surprise this week, I think, to everybody, except maybe you. You had mentioned on Wednesday that, hey, we got uh, extended cattle limits starting tomorrow. And I thought, well, I think I, I don't think I thought it. I said it out loud. It, what does it matter when we haven't seen a limit moving cattle and who knows how long? And, of course, they go push it $5.77 in the June and blow out the previous limit by over a dollar. Well, cash, cash cattle traded significantly higher all week, I think, pretty much everywhere. I don't, I don't know what to say about that market. It's just nothing but a... Elevator to the top. Boxes were up again today at the lunch hour. Another couple bucks. Uh, I believe we're right around 308 on the choice. Yeah. The concerning part, and I think I sent you this clip last night, was I did catch a little snippet of Costco warning of a possible recession looking at their beef sales versus their pork sales. And uh, also to back up that, the Wall Street Journal did have an article today. I don't know if you caught that or not, Eric, but they had an article about restaurants switching uh, menu items from beef to pork, trying to spur some more. Right. Well, and that's something we've needed. And that, and David and I have talked about that numerous times that these restaurants need to figure out how to implement pork into the equation because that's the only way we're going to get the demand up where we need it. And, and he's also referred to pork as a recessionary meat many times. So the idea that these places are now looking at how to figure out how to switch to pork is a little concerning, especially when you've got a screaming stock market. You've just made a debt ceiling agreement. And we're looking for the first time in quite a while, the Fed might not actually increase interest rates at the next meeting. So uh, that that is a little uh, head scratcher there, but I guess we'll see how things progress. Um, hogs last week were down almost $10 on the week. I hated to even report that on the podcast, but I'm glad to report today that we were up 1065 for the week in the June hogs at 86.72. Have we seen a bottom here, or is this just a retracement profit taking by the shorts, and and here we go again? I, I sure feel like we're probably carving out somewhat of a bottom. I know I believe there's a gap down below that some people are eyeing up. It, it feels like that cutout has been pretty strong. The, the futures have come up. What's your take on that? 
Yeah, I I kind of agree, but man, that thing has been so difficult to figure out for so long. You know, yesterday cash uh negotiations were just super aggressive. They were buying up everything they could. I had a client in Missouri said, Well, my packer got super pissed at me because we we canceled a sixty head load, not even half a load. And I thought, man, that's getting kind of aggressive if you're gonna be upset about sixty head hogs. I have seen some uh rumblings out though that the wholesale market is getting a little thin on the offers after July 1st, whether that has anything to do with Prop 12, where the pork is at, where it's labeled, or just inventories, I guess time will tell. But yeah, maybe I'm holding straws, but that provides us a little bit of a spark as well. Well, and then adversely, you know, we could be looking at a blow-off top in the cattle market here, but I look at the fundamentals and I just, I don't know, I'm not convinced there. I've had numerous people tell me that, that they're pulling cattle now that they weren't going to have ready until July. So my question on for you on that, Eric, is the last time we had a huge cash premium to the board going into delivery month, that didn't work out the best. Right. Uh, referencing the fire out in Finley County, obviously nothing to do with that today, but the bull spreads were active. The back months were a little bit disappointing, in my opinion, when you look at that December up 12 and a half, February up 10, April up two and a half cents today. Yeah, it was, it was quiet today. Yeah, but the, the open, take the October, for example, we shot up following the, the June right off the open, ended up closing off, what, about 65 cents from the high of the day. It feels like maybe that back months are getting a little stale. Well, and, and they're quite a bit higher. I mean, the reality is at some point we, we've got to say, okay, how much is enough to price in there for those deferred contracts? The, the real questionable part of all this is this is normally a season where we back down and we're just bulling right through it. A little concerned that the guys that are thinking, okay, this is going to be it. We usually go down starting in June. Uh, they might get in trouble if we're going futures. I, I do feel like as a end user, you would be very reluctant to load the coolers at $300 plus choice with all the economic news that's been in the market the last two to three months. Right. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I wouldn't do it if I was a, a packer. So maybe they are that short bought. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, and the thing that keeps coming to my mind is at some point we're going to start doing some serious heifer retention here. And how much more will that propel the market? Because that has been a lot of market ready supply has been dependent on that number. And so as they start retaining these a little more, then we could see another little leg out of this. And to follow that back up, it will be very interesting. June kicks off the, a bunch of video cattle sales on the feeders get our first inkling of what the fall feeders are going to bring. That's quite frightening as a feeder, a cattle feeder ourselves. You know, you're looking at cattle that on the board need 190 to break even. Yeah. And, boy, that's tough to go out and bid that up today. So I'll be watching the feeder sales on the videos as we round into June. What's your take? You're from cattle country. What do you, What's your take on the feeders? Oh, I... I mean, you're going to have to do some serious value shopping to find something that pencils here, even if we do see an acceleration in the fat market going into spring. These numbers don't work well. Now, if you're buying, you know, peewees and stockers and putting some pounds on them and selling them this fall, yeah, you can make it work because 
just today, this morning, I locked up uh, 246 floor for November feeder steers, and, yeah, that pencils. But by the time you feed them out, you're going to have to have some really good access to cheap feed or the market's going to have to come. And the cattle market is notorious for betting on the come. So that means <laughs> well, it's been that way forever. <laughs> did you do that on LRP? Yes, I did that on LRP, a 246 floor. Uh, it, it turned out to about uh, 60 bucks a head on nine weight steers. Seems reasonable enough. Hopefully as we go forward, you know, I don't want any market to go correct down and producers to lose money, but it seems like a reasonable expense at these levels. I would think so, yeah. And it's a way to not get bowled over by a bull market. So, well, anything else you want to touch on this week, Justin? Not too much. Just the bullets in the bay, so. Yeah, off we go. Well, everybody have a good weekend, and uh, we'll see you here next week on Friday for a market recap. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.